0: Hey what's up TFC Tribe, thanks for joining us for episode 2 of the TFC Audio Project Down Under. This episode is all about play. We look at what play is, where it's come from, how to do it, and why it's so important for physical and mental health. Plus we delve deeper into hacking the system, and our vision for creating a play-based injury prevention and performance enhancement culture.
1: This episode is brought to you by TFC Balance Beams. The new 90cm Tasmanian oak beam has just landed. Made using sustainably sourced wood, our partnership with Reforest Now means two trees are planted for every beam sold to help regenerate Australian rainforests. We see beams as functional furniture that are perfect for portable play. Beam while listening to this podcast in your living room, while standing at your desk at the office or anywhere outdoors. Each beam comes with access to our online beam training system to help you find your flow while looking after your hips, ankles and feet. You can grab your beam at tfc-shopaus.com now.
0: Alright, so you're back with James and Mac. Hey guys. And this will be the start of our weekly themes where we delve into a particular concept that we think is important and we just learn as much as we can about that concept and then do the best job we can of sharing that uh, along with some of our own experiences along the way. We're not experts but I guess it's from our learning what
1: we can share with the community. Exactly, exactly
0: and in future episodes we'll also be getting other members of the TFC community on to chatter out about about their own experiences
1: uh, on the topic for that week as well so we're looking forward to that. Yeah, it'll be good to be able to get some of those members of the community that are not necessarily experts themselves in that, but have got lived experiences with those concepts to be able to share their knowledge as well. Yeah, and more experienced than us, you know,
0: it's always good to draw on that. Absolutely. So today's episode will be all about play. We wanted to start with play because it is such a central part of our philosophy and really ties together a lot of different elements of what we promote. It's at the core of a lot. Well, everything TFC is about, TFC Australia. Exactly, yeah. So it'll give a lot of context around what we're about and what we're trying to do with TFC Australia. And we figured it'd be best to start off with a definition of play. So I've made an adapted definition from Dr. Stuart Brown, who is the head of the National Institute of Play and literally wrote the book on play, (laughs) sitting right in front of me. And... He talks about lots of different characteristics of play and goes into them quite deeply in his book, so I highly recommend checking it out. But the definition I've taken from that is that play is any voluntary, apparently purposeless activity that has potential for improvisation and provides a sense of freedom from time as well as a diminished consciousness of self, so all of which create an inherent attraction and what he describes as a continuation desire. And... It's worth noting that that definition is remarkably similar to the definition of flow Mm. that was uh, provided by Mihaly uh, Csikszentmihalyi. Nailed it. Uh, Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) I've been trying to figure out how to (laughs) pronounce the name. Um, But he wrote an epic book called Flow, The Psychology of Optimal Experience. And we'll do a whole episode on flow. And it does have some of its own characteristics that are separate but it is just worth noting how similar the two are a lot of overlap yeah yeah huge overlap and one of the biggest pieces from both of them is uh what Mihail talks about as a uh autotelic experience Mm. which just means it's it's a goal within itself um auto meaning self and telos meaning goal. Mm. Um, so, autotelic or self-motivating goal, which just means we're doing the activity for the sake of the activity itself and not, not for, for some, some in reward. or Yeah, some external goal that we're going to get in the future. It's
1: probably good to compare, I guess, that definition of play then with the definition that the dictionary or, or the online dictionary has um, mm-hmm. of it.
0: Yes, so we did look up the dictionary, on the Oxford Dictionary online, mm. and they define play as activity engaged in for enjoyment or recreation, especially by children. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which is the interesting part of all of that. Yeah, and that's a, it's a great simple definition, although it does point to yeah, part of the problem in society today uh, is that cultural belief that play is mostly for children mm. and that adults should be really primarily working. Before we do get into that work versus play dichotomy, it's good to... I just want to talk about Todd Hargrove's characteristics Mm. of play as well. So, he wrote the book Playing With Movement. And movement play is really what we're mostly about. And he... The characteristics of play that he talks about is one that it's intrinsically motivating, which is what we were saying before, Mm. autotelic. uh, That it's explorative. So, it's... You're not following a map per se. You're just... Playing with different ways of doing things, um, you know. A, a good example is a baby learning how to move. That you know, they're not. No one's going. Oh, you need a bridge and roll they're doing or it whatever. Because that's how they have to learn. Yeah, they're just exploring what they can do with their body. Yeah. Um, and through that play can be creative is another characteristic. So, when you're not following a map, you have the ability to improvise and to figure out different ways of solving problems. And another. Uh, term for that would be tinkering so play is like playing with different variables um, yeah I like that to figure out what works and just you know you don't have to follow again a specific structured map it's going oh if I try this what happens Okay, that didn't work so well I'll try this oh that worked pretty well but is there another better way of doing it it's that sort of tinkering mindset and then he also talks about the fact that it's can be risky it involves an element of risk and that's especially when it comes to playing with movement and yes, risk uh, is, you know, can be dangerous. Obviously, things can be dangerous, but knowing how to manage that risk or, or learning how to manage that mm. risk through play is actually a big part of becoming a, a viable human being.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Because if you don't learn how to manage risk, then you, you're actually at much you, greater risk. You're throwing yourself in the deep end. Exactly. So we could compare that to work, mm. um, which is... Basically the opposite in a sense. So it's structured, generally repetitive mm. and controlled, um, and extrinsically motivating. So we are doing something for the sake of some external goal in the future. Yeah. So obvious examples like working at a job so that you can get money so that you can pay the bills, um, or working out, going to the gym so that you you know lose fat or build muscle or look better or whatever. Mm. And those goals certainly are valuable goals or they, they can be valuable and the work approach can be very valuable. You definitely can't just play all
1: day but you also just can't work all day and, and that's sort of the balance that I think has been lost a lot these days Is and you go back to that definition from the Oxford Dictionary that, that emphasizes children. It's the adults that are going and, and doing the work every day while mm-hmm. the children play and that for me was something that you know, in my own work journey, I noticed only, I only sort of became aware of in the last 12 months just how much I was missing, yeah, that that intrinsically motivating aspect of life. Um, Mm -hmm. When, you know, from my job, I was working long 12-hour days um, and and, and being a reporter, you're on the go from 5 a.m. as soon as you make your first call. Um, until six thirty, and then your brain can switch off. But you're working, working, working towards a goal or a deadline. Because um, your job is to appear on TV that night. You don't have the option of exactly of not appearing on TV. It's that's your. It's job. It's a daily deadline. So you, yeah. you it, there is a benefit in that you know once six thirty, you know six pm comes, the day is done in that regard. But to not. I guess to work, 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 and then not be able to find the time for play outside of that was really, you know, I think was impacting my mental health a fair bit mm-hmm. because it, it does weigh on you. And when you start to realize that you're missing out on, on morning routines to be able to get down to the park and, and, and to move or, you know, to go and play soccer at night or, or, or train, train at night, um, not being able to have that play element yeah, it, it can it can have a really detrimental effect, impact on uh, on your well being. I feel
0: exactly. So the balance is really important, and work like we said, it can be very valuable. and And the way we like to look at it is, it helps facilitate play. So mm. you know, you should have. Sure, you need to pay the bills and and work in that sense, so that you can have some extra space and you know security and shelter and things that facilitate some play in your life and similarly from a physical point of view then you know doing some strength training and mobility training and things like that actually help expand your capacity so that you can then play with more different types of movement Mm. and work can also be play sort of then gives that work a sense of meaning so you're not just working out for the sake of working out or mobilizing your hips for the sake of mobilizing your hips. It's mobilizing your hips so that you can hacky sack better. Yeah, so you can play. Yeah, yeah, so you can go and play a game of hackminton, which we'll (laughs) describe a bit later. Um, And, you know, work... There is a a bit of a blurred line between work and play here. And that's, you know, a good example might be someone going for a run and, and pounding the pavement versus someone running through... A tra- you know, a, a forest trail with a deep sense of awe and enjoyment and full, fully present. You know, the ru- act of running is the same and they might be getting very similar exercise, but their intention and their meaning behind that is very different. Mm. And that's sort of where that concept of flow comes in it's yeah, that, absolutely it's that connection between work and play and having something meaningful and and purposeful to you is actually what matters
1: yeah for sure yeah and i mean personally coming into this role and and working with tfc um being able to weave those two in and, and to blur the lines more mm-hmm. is so much more rewarding from the work you're doing because it's it's not feeling like work if if there's an element of play to it. Yes. Uh, and you're in that flow state like you said. Yeah,
0: and it's it's purposeful. Yep. And it just so happens that our purpose is helping other people play. So yeah. <laughs> it's uh you know, it's circular but it's great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's our job to play because we want other people to play.
1: <laughs> it's uh it's a handy little <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah, very very handy. <laughs> um but I guess do you want to sort of go into a bit of the historical context then uh, of mm-hmm of how play evolved and how it has gone from what it used to be to, to like we said, what it is today.
0: Yeah, I always find it is helpful to explore the history and historical context around concepts. Um, And when it comes to play, it's a bit of a paradox almost in an evolutionary point of view, or at first glance, it might be seen that way um, because it doesn't seem to provide any specific survival value so it expends energy and it exposes you to risk and it doesn't you know provide you with food or shelter or anything like that so from a you know traditional evolutionary point of view it's like well why what's the point what's the point of playing if it's if it's just wasteful and what we do know as well from animal studies is that play is ubiquitous among all intelligent animals and in fact the more intelligent the animal the more it tends to play so there's got to be
1: some evolutionary value exactly
0: yeah so that there has to be because otherwise it wouldn't be a trait that survived in in species and it's so ubiquitous you know and obvious examples in animals like dogs and dolphins and um and everything but even even birds play you know Mm -hmm. in a sense and There's, yeah, it's just very well studied that play is very common. It wouldn't still be here if we didn't need it. Exactly. So to explore why we do need it, play, you know, we'll just talk about humans for now. Um, Play is how we learn and practice movement. And that starts as a newborn baby, pretty much, or, you know, close to newborn where they start to explore rolling and crawling and squatting and eventually standing and walking. And like we said, there's no one telling them what to do. There's no one sort of giving them structured PT sessions on how to roll or (laughs) crawl. Uh, They just do it because they want to, it's intrinsically motivating. They're Mm -hmm. wanting to explore their environment and they see their parents or their siblings up and about doing stuff and they want to go and do that stuff too. Yeah. So then over time, that leads to things like uh, chasing and climbing and jumping and throwing and wrestling. And all of these activities that you would expect kids to start doing, especially sort of, maybe not these days. No. <laughs> you'd, hope. You'd, you'd hope. You'd hope. So you'd hope. Climbing know, if kids trees. Were, you kids know. were left to their own devices yeah. without their devices, without their you know iPads and stuff. Then they would be doing those kinds of activities mm. um, if you put them in a natural environment. And again, it's some of those are discouraged these days. But if you think back to it, being able to run quickly away from something or towards something helps you hunt being able to climb trees helps you escape predators or um survey the area and you know get a better understanding Mm. of the environment and throwing hunting wrestling is self you know self-protection
1: so i guess while initially it may not look like from the outside that it does have any survival aspects the fact that we do it and learn through play enables us yeah to have those traits
0: actually practice for our body to become adaptable and resilient Mm. so that in the future we can be we can survive Mm. and that we can contribute to our community so in that sense you can really see how important play is um, because it gives you that uh, it's like an internal reward that no one has to tell you to go and practice those things you just want to go and practice those things because it's fun yeah, and so it's a, it's almost like a trick of the brain. It gives you a, a reward chemical for for doing things that will eventually help it survive.
1: And so, how has that changed then? Do you think what what have you seen in comparison to you know uh, I guess ancestral play to now? Like you were suggesting before, mm-hmm. with, with devices and the way we learn to play, how has it changed? So over time play
0: has become more relegated to sports, basically, mm. in essence. So, we still glorify play. We still love play as a society. Mm. And, in fact, the, the best players amongst us, we really glorify and we'll gather in tens of thousands to watch and, you know, and watch on the TV and everything. And it's that competitive sporting scenario. It's almost been relegated to, like, if you want to play, go and play sports. A structured, especially if you're in competition. Yeah. yeah, it's structured, sort of competitive uh, nature of it, and there's a lot of again, there's a lot of value in competitive sports.
1: But what do you think is the risk then of of that transition? Is it the fact that it the joy is taken, or an element of the joy is taken out of it, or the, that we've lost touch a little bit with that that ancestral need, that that deeper desire?
0: I think it's I think it's the subtraction of the natural movement play in a sense. So we've said, okay, sports is how you play, Mm. which in a a large essence... I mean, a lot of them include some elements of natural movement, but in a lot of ways, the sports is sort of an unnatural way, Mm. you know, quote-unquote unnatural way to move, um, which our bodies should be able to do and should be able to have the tolerance for if they were doing lots of other movement as well. But it's this it's this, okay, you work and you sit down and you do your work at school or at work, um, at your job, and then you can go and play in your sports and everything. But it's not, we haven't included play as part of that movement, uh, uh, part of that learning process.
1: um, Is there the risk that those competitive sports, that unnatural movement, starts to feel like work?
0: Uh, Yeah, and it can do as well because of the inherent sort of yeah, inherent competitiveness of Mm. it where it becomes more about winning Mm. than it does about um, than it does about just playing playing. yeah Yeah. so I think there's a lot of value in that structured sport uh, arena but especially if it's sort of the most most of the focus is on play um, and having fun and enjoying it and also if it's better, more accepted to be playing in different ways and in more unstructured ways as well, Uh, which it is for
1: young children, but it should be for everyone. Why shouldn't it be for everyone? Yeah, exactly. So, should we talk about then how to play? I mean, you've gone on your own journey. I mean, we've always played, you and I. I mean, that's how we met, playing soccer Mm -hmm. on the soccer field. Um, But your own movement journey, how have you been able to bring play into into what you do now yeah well
0: i started getting more a lot more into movement as a whole i've always i mean i've always loved playing all manner of different sports and i was very fortunate that my mum and dad just allowed me to have a crack at pretty much anything i want so i pretty much played every sport except for the classic aussie ones of of aussie rules football and cricket um but always just love having a crack at things and exploring a new skill and 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 I've
1: always been okay with being a beginner at them and I oh. think as I'll, I'll butt in there but I think you're you're also fortunate that you've grown up in a family where yes you've done the traditional sports but you've also had games that mm. your uncle himself has, has yeah. created you know you've had that constant exposure to the creativity of play as well. Yeah, exactly. The
0: creative aspect. So yeah, like Royal Pong. Uh, My uncle uh, Gus created this awesome game called Royal Pong, which is like a combination of tennis, squash and ping pong. (laughs) Very, very, very fun. Probably one of the funnest games I've played. And yeah, exactly. It's that creative element. and, And that's, you know, me and my family have always created game different games to play and and it, and really been okay with um just that just that playful approach to anything it, it wasn't always relegated to mm. to competitive sports but so I started getting more into sort of like movement culture mm. um in my second year of uni and I started exploring different things around gymnastics and locomotives and inspired by people like Edo Portal and uh, GMB, uh, Ryan Hurst from GMB. I really um, got into his stuff and, and still really, really highly recommend it. And basically from years and years of sitting at school and, and at uni, at uni where I was learning about movement and, <laughs> and all of these musculoskeletal problems that we were sitting for most of the day studying about them, I found that, you know, my body was very stiff and so I just started playing with, it was actually playing with ground-based movements, like those animal movements that we've been doing more recently Mm. uh, with you, Uh, like, you know, squats and um, froggers and monkeys and, and all of these things that I started, like I never really properly worked on mobility i really did just start playing with those types of movements yeah right and i've ever since had quite good mobility or like when i say good mobility it's sort of just how mobile a human should naturally be
1: yeah it's just natural ability yeah. rather than <laughs> like the result to squat all the way down
0: to the ground and to be able to move around on the ground uh fluidly and efficiently like these are
1: things that all humans should be able to do and then you contrast it to me (laughs) who again sat all through uni sat all through school sat all through work and i I think i was probably fortunate that i was outdoors a fair bit and was um was able to to move for maybe 50 percent of my day i was i was outside and, and standing and walking but I was doing it in the wrong shoes <laughs> and you look at the result and you compare your squat to mine or uh, you know, your ankle mobility to mine and, and there's a massive gulf and frustrating for me because I wish I knew earlier that down the line it would have that flow on effect um, because again, I through school and uni and into, into you know, work, my play outlet was structured. It was mm. competitive soccer. Uh, and you would train and you would run and then you would play but you'd go from 8 or 12 hours of work straight into that and you weren't you weren't moving enough i wasn't doing enough natural movement and i wasn't playing enough with my movement
0: exactly and that's a that's a good point to touch on actually is the variability of movement that play facilitates so your play was soccer and you know which is a certain subset of movements running jumping kicking for the most part and otherwise you were standing and walking or sitting so it's a very very narrow uh collection of movements compared to what the human body is capable of and what the human body really should be doing day to day mm. and this is where the sort of natural natural movement or ground movement we'll have podcasts on these topics mm. as well to expand on them but this is where that comes in is the variability that that provides to your system through adopting lots of different positions and exploring lots of di- different positions which otherwise you, you would never take your body through those positions if you're just sitting or if you're only
1: doing one type of sport or activity and then I guess that's f- for myself I mean I've never been someone to go to the gym and, and, and to move I've always wanted it to be linked to play because that's been the way that i've enjoyed exercising it's given me joy to to move through that manner but tools have been a really important part um of, 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 of i guess making that enjoyable of, of making that fun and and that's just particularly what i've found since coming along on the, on the tfc journey is uh, a
0: great th- example is the hacky sack
1: the hacky sack <laughs> the beam um yep. you know they're really simple simple tools that immediately um don't take a lot to get your head around Uh, don't take too much to learn have that reward because as you're learning you're um or playing with them and and tinkering with them like you said before you're you're getting that feedback from your brain and from your body that oh this you know isn't just fun but i'm learning as i go Mm -hmm. um and and yeah i found that they've been really powerful to help me on that journey because like I said I I was never someone who would have just gone and done 15 by 3 you know 3 by 15 squats in the morning and then 15 by you know just that repetitive work aspect of exercise always sort of scared me Yeah, never excited me
0: whereas now we can go down to the park together play you know we can do a, a full body warm up and then play with some natural movements some ground movements and locomotives and play with the hacky you know and in 45 minutes to an hour we're thoroughly moved we're, yeah we're, you know we're, you we're, feel it we're, you've you've felt like you've actually worked but it, for the most part it's been enjoyable explorative play and certainly when it comes to the hacky sack or the beam you do get that really deep satisfying feeling when you get it right it's and that's hard it's very hard to beat and Certainly, you can obviously get that satisfaction at the gym. if And if gym is your thing, then it almost does feel like play because you really get deep into yeah. it and you focus on the feeling of your muscles pumping and all of that. But the benefit in the, of the variability and of that ability to to progress the skill in different ways and you know for us we've progressed hacky sack to a a full game called hackminton which combines all of these different aspects of power and and
1: flexibility and um, precision and athleticism and like you said it's a it's a workout yeah like you you play that for 45 minutes to an hour and you are thoroughly worked yeah but you've been playing Exactly. And you could, the other day, uh, Lucas and I,
0: our mate who's, who's big on the hacky as well and part of, part of our hacking the system, he, him and I played for two hours straight and we just wanted to keep playing, but we were just like, it's probably best, best that we stop because it's actually getting, mm. we might be a little too sore
1: tomorrow. And you think of you know, that benefit that you're, you're able to get out of a sport like that and all that came from getting creative with play exactly. it, it all was born out of yeah uh, us away for a weekend playing with the hacky sack and and there was a badminton net there and we thought oh well, let's combine the two and see what sort of a game we can come up with and yeah and now we we have we'd like to hope one day an olympic sport that, <laughs> yeah. uh, that people um that people all over the world can play because it is it's so much fun and yeah. And it is, it's a, it's a really, really good physical, um, physical workout.
0: Yeah. And it, and it's just, it's extremely challenging and, um, extremely satisfying. And so it's, it's that really unique combination of, you know, if you jump on the court with someone who is a lot better than you, Mm -hmm. then you go, Oh, right. I want to, I want to get a bit better at this so I can actually play and, and then once you do play and you're in that sort of more, it's it's a friendly competition where obviously it doesn't really matter if you win or lose, um, you know, your pride might get hurt a little bit, but it, it's mostly about helping each other get better and just enjoying the process.
1: I think that's another interesting element we haven't really touched on is is looking at that competitive nature. If you go to play with someone who isn't at your level, then it it, it doesn't, have that same effect on on you know the mind and the body you're not enjoying it as much which um, yeah which is really interesting because uh, you know I know if we step on the court together because we're the same level then it's then very exciting yeah exactly it, it's
0: much more so actually Mihaly talks about a flow channel in his book so it's flow happens between anxiety and boredom basically <laughs> in the channel between those two so if if you're not good enough, or you're playing with someone that's not good enough, then there's an element of boredom, like oh, it's you know it's just not really going anywhere. And then if you're playing with someone who's way too good, it's a, that element of anxiety. Or if if a challenge is far too much, you've got anxiety and you're like oh, geez, I can't I can't do this. But in the channel between those two
1: is where you can really find flow and be in your element and i think the big risk today is that when people fall out of that channel they give up on trying to get back into that channel exactly they'll fall out and you you've seen it through your journey as a physiotherapist people coming to you wanting to learn to play again to be able to play with their kids and and it's because Somewhere along their lives, they either got an injury or they just got too physically unfit that they couldn't play the sport that they loved to do when they were younger. And they weren't able to work back into that that space on the spectrum where they they could enjoy it again. Yes, because, you know, sport was their
0: only outlet for movement and that got taken away from them because they couldn't play it anymore. Then what's left is just a sedentary lifestyle. And obviously, the less you do, the less you're able to do. And over time then they realize, oh, actually now I really, I've got a kid, I really want to be able to get down on the ground and play with him, but my knee hurts or my back hurts, and I need to do something about this now. And yeah, by that time, it's, not, it's definitely not too late, it's never too late, but by that time, a whole heap of sort of dysfunction or a whole heap of um, stiffness and, and weakness and pain has built up that really shouldn't have been built up in the first place if playing with movement was
1: more accepted uh, outside of sports. And I think that's, that comes quite full circle, quite nicely to what we are trying to do with the Foot Collective here in Australia. With players, that underlining factor is not just to help adults learn to play again, but to make sure that kids keep playing as well. Yeah. Um, because we want everyone to be able to play for the rest of their lives. Because if they do, then they'll never fall out of love with movement and, and they'll stay strong and they'll stay resilient. Um, exactly. And when they have their own kids, they'll be able to play with their own kids. And that, I guess, is where hacking the system sort of comes in. We see that as really an embodiment of, of, of all of that, um, you know, the, the potential to teach kids how to, to build strong, resilient bodies and prevent injuries, young footballers, but then also to introduce it to their parents and to teach them, um, yeah, the value and the importance of play uh, and hopefully encourage them to join in with their kids um i guess yeah we should probably explain what hacking the system yeah. is yeah exactly well it started because last uh early last year we started
0: playing a lot of hacky sack and just realized first of all how uh, how fun it is when you can really get on a good roll and also like oh this is a really good um, foot dexterity exercise, and um, you get a lot of dynamic hip rotation, and you know a whole heap of. Um, I can feel my hips still burning from this morning. Yeah, so. <laughs> Let's yeah. Not lie about that. You, you, you're using your hips and feet a lot, and you know, TFC is a lot of what we talk about is about integrating the feet and hips and and um, making them more mobile and more intelligent. And so I thought, you know, we thought hacky sack is a really cool tool, a very simple, cheap and fun tool to facilitate that. And so, we just sort of kept practicing it and then realized that the combination uh, of, especially when combined with the beam and some natural movements, could be really, really powerful for just integrating the whole body. And then also that that would be an ideal combination for injury prevention in sports.
1: And hence, I guess the name... Hacking the system, it felt like you were, you, we, you, you were hacking the system because the system being work and the hack being the hacky that makes that all fun, um, yeah, that gives it that play element, yeah, uh, to exactly. Run. And
0: so the system is really the you know the combination of learning how to hacky sack, which we've got a, a system for that, which is called the perfect system, PFKT. Pick, flick, kick, trick, <laughs> <laughs> and also we've got a movement system which includes different strength and and natural movements, um, which we're calling body hacking. And we like we do love puns and and wordplay, <laughs> <laughs> and um, along with beam. So beam, the beam is just a really powerful tool for developing ankle and hip stability, as
1: well as foot strength and foot mobility as well, especially. And you combine that with the hacky and it's the perfect screen to test where your balance is at yeah. Um, and, and where your skill level is at with, with both. Yeah, exactly.
0: And the, all of that combined just creates a very fun, engaging, I guess, program or system that improves your balance, improves your f- foot dexterity and foot health and improves... Um, your ability to... It it minimizes the risk risk of injuries. We can't can't prevent injuries. We can't prevent all injuries, of course, but there's very good research behind balance and proprioceptive training for injury prevention and obviously strength through a large range of motion is important as well. And... So if you combine all these things, the thing the thing with young athletes especially is that they're not going to want to go to the gym and do 3 times 15, you know, like you said, it's 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 inaccessible and it's boring for them. Kids want to play, and if you can create a program that incorporates a lot of these important elements into something that is fun and then they can express all of their abilities in a game yeah. in a game like hackminton, then it's something that could actually catch on and really become a culture.
1: And I think already it's been really rewarding to see, uh, already we've had a a three-day holiday program that's been run uh, with some soccer kids here in in Brisbane from one of Queensland's top clubs. And, I mean, these kids are good footballers. Like, they know what they're doing. The youngest was eight and... It was really impressive, a to see how quickly they picked up the beam, uh, mm. the, the hacky, and, and, and the also beam. the beam, yeah, um, and, and got around the animal movement. But the greatest part was is that they were having so much fun, and you could see the the looks on their faces, and they, and they were excited. They wanted to come back. They yeah. thought there was another day, um, you know, they they were hoping they could come back next week. And yeah. we've got a six week course now in the works, um, targeted towards young footballers, young elite footballers who are the perfect candidates for this because A, they know how to play soccer so picking up the hacky will come as a second nature to them. Um, B, they're sedentary for a lot of their days and these Mm. kids are going from eight hours at school straight into soccer training and they're putting boots on straight away and they're doing sprints and they're doing high knees and they're doing bum kicks and then they're getting into high impact football uh, at an elite level without actually really properly moving Um, and so for us to be able to offer this course to these kids in that gap between school and football training it's the perfect avenue not to overwork them because you know they're fit young athletes to begin with but to train their brains almost it's a neuromuscular system that needs tuning in essentially
0: and and they need that extra variability of the different types of movements like we talked about and the um, especially the variability for their feet because if yeah if you come from school where you're wearing school shoes um, or whatever it is you know conventional running shoes and then coming and strapping on these tight narrow boots
1: your feet really aren't getting much of a break, and and I know uh, you know another beautiful aspect is is that well you hope that like you said that it's training their brains so that when they do come home from football training they get their boots off and they pick up a hacky and another benefit is that they can kick that inside without breaking anything. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's no excuse not to to muck around with one. Um, yeah. or, or get on a beam exactly, and the idea is that. Yes, it's a six-week course,
0: but it's teaching them skills that they can then play with for the rest of their life. Mm. And they don't have to really, the hacky, the cool thing is with the hacky and beam is they're almost the teacher in themselves. You know if you're doing it right, you get clear feedback, you either drop the hacky and you know, oh, I need to change something about what I did then, or you fall off the beam and it's that clear feedback, you don't really need someone coaching you. To go, oh, you had to do this, this, and this. Your you brain dropped just it, f- or you fell out. off the beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you you get the feedback, and you figure it out, and your brain gets the data of, okay, I did this, and this didn't work, so now I try this, and it's just constant exposure to that, which then allows much more efficient motor patterns, and, and, more fun as well. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and I think to tie it back to that t- t- to play, I, I think what we've said from the outset when we started playing hacky sack and we started teaching kids how to play hacky sack and and, um, and, and the same with the beam as well, it was always don't apologize. Uh, mm. It was don't say sorry. And that comes back to that whole competitive structured nature of, of sports is you play to win. Yeah. Whereas... It's no
0: failure really. It's it, just learning.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's, and exploring.
0: Yeah. Learning and exploring and... You know, getting some teamwork involved, and yeah, just doing having that sort of open beginner's mind, and, ex-
1: and exploring. like you said, yeah, connecting as well. So not just with uh, the person you're playing with, but we hope that we can build a community with this. Where you know uh, that that's a that's a ma- massive part of play. I think is is that connection that you get to other people while you're doing it.
0: Yeah, very true. And that sort of, oh, he can do that. I want to try I'll try that. Oh, he created this different way of moving. Sweet, I'll try that. And yeah, we see that already in in the Instagram community that we've got with people trying different beam challenges and movement challenges and and this and that and finding different ways of doing things and so we just want to bring that to yeah, uh, to the mass a new community yeah. and and just expand that and Get that community connection
1: going through play. Mm. Yeah, Play is the way. <laughs> That's our tagline now. <laughs> well, we hope that was helpful. Um, I think that pretty much covered it all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, check out our social pages and websites if you're wanting a website. Sorry. not we don't have to <laughs> uh, yet. <laughs> um If you want to check out some ideas for how to play and also those tools that we mentioned, we sell really nice, good quality, handmade hacky sacks and Tasmanian oak beams that uh,
1: uh, we actually plant two trees per beam sold. Yeah, that's exciting. A new partnership that we're expanding from one tree to two trees now. Yeah, yeah, which is great.
0: And um you know there'll be ideas as well of how to create your own beam on there and but yeah otherwise we'll be back next week for a episode on movement nutrition and so stay tuned for that but otherwise thanks for tuning in thanks guys catch you next week